Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni here, and we are pleased to have back with us for our last installment of the uh, King George III Prize, Clegg Ivey, our Director of Engagement here at the New Civil Liberties Alliance. Welcome back to Administrative Static, Clegg. Uh, thanks, Mark. Uh, it's always great to be here, and uh, boy, I love talking about the King George III uh, Prize Tournament. We had a great flagrant four here, the last four, uh, and and it, it came right down to the wire. Well, and we and and I should say too, John and I haven't talked about this yet, but we had a wonderful gala this week uh, here in Washington D.C. celebrating the fifth anniversary of the new Civil Liberties Alliance. It's hard to believe that it's been five years uh, already, but uh, you know here we are, uh, and it's it's the second anniversary of the King George the Third Prize. But this year, uh, we had a trophy that was unveiled and that uh, that you were instrumental in in procuring. Do you want to? Tell the audience a little bit about about the trophy. Uh, I'd love to. You know, it's uh, and I'll say time flies when you're uh, uh, holding the government accountable. I'll tell you that uh, <laughs> every day we get to get up and sue the government is a good day. I thought you were going to say time flies when you're poking fun. <laughs> that would have been pithier. Uh, yeah. So uh, those of you who've seen uh, the King George the Third Prize uh, website uh, and some of our fun posts on social media, you've seen that we had uh, professional artist Ron Borison uh, uh, draw a custom. Uh, image uh, illustration of King George the Third, and we uh, we found the craftsman at the Franklin Mint basically uh, made for us a sculpture that is the exact 3D representation of that uh, beautiful illustration with all of his haughtiness uh, and 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 abusive nature on display. And we had that trophy at the gala, and it was a big hit. It was a big hit. Um, we also had uh, King George III himself was at our gala, it turns out, and he was impressed. He, yes, he did. He did show up in full <laughs> regalia, didn't he? Uh, or, or, a, or a reasonable facsimile thereof. Well, uh, it, we announced the winner uh, at that gala, and there were several nominees that made it to the Flagrant Four that didn't quite yes. make the cut. Tell us, tell us who, who was in the Flagrant Four. Rick Spinrad of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration uh, this is a, an agency that abused small fishermen in New England so badly that even Hollywood decided to get on board. They made his agency the villains in uh, this year's uh, Oscar-winning movie, uh, Coda, for the Oscar for Best Picture. Right. And this this was uh, the Coda. It's, it's funny. The Coda story is is one that's uh, that I think is very compelling. And it's similar to, though not identical to, uh, one of the cases uh, that we have uh, here at uh, uh, at NCLA, where we're representing uh, Relentless Inc. and Sea Freeze Limited, and uh, in in their efforts to push back uh, against similar kinds of, of regulations by uh, by NOAA, I do like the fact that uh, that we have fishermen suing NOAA. There's something very uh, antediluvian <laughs> about that. That's right. Uh, let's let 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 let's hope that the uh, the whale of the administrative state can be pushed back. Ah, yes. Um, so Gary Gensler's SEC look, the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission, harpooned even at harpooned right every year. The SEC is a finalist. It seems like in our uh, in our tournament, and and of course Gary Gensler may it ever year, be so. <laughs> one day, maybe not. 
<laughs> look, the SEC did more than enough to win a prize in any other year. Um, just one example will be uh, NASDAQ's flatly illegal board diversity quota scheme uh, that we are taking on. Uh, we think it's illegal and unconstitutional. Yes, um, yes. And, we have a lawsuit going in the Fifth Circuit against that. Yeah, and obviously so. And I think in another year, in a non, non-pandemic, non-public uh, health uh, uh, totalitarianism year, I think the SEC could have won. Um, and, and, of course, last year's winner, you, you may recall, the yes. CDC – Right, uh, for the nationwide eviction moratorium last year. That's right. And Nina Wachowski was last year's winner. Well, Rochelle Walensky, the uh, director of the CDC this year. Nina's boss, essentially, right? I think. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> Nina's boss. Uh, not only, you know, she extended the unconstitutional eviction moratorium, even after the Supreme Court said this is unconstitutional and illegal. And the only reason we're not going to uh, we're not going to shut it down is because it's supposed to end in two weeks. And we think everyone's going to do the right thing. Did they do the right thing, Mark? They didn't. Sadly, they sadly they didn't get the message. In fact, if I remember correctly, President Biden stood in the Rose Garden and and said he sort of said President Biden does this often. He says the quiet thing out loud that That's you're right. not, that you're not supposed to say. And <laughs> and and he said, well, you know, uh, we're going to go ahead and extend this another month. And by the time it gets through the courts and everything, well, we'll have achieved what we what we wanted. You know, we'll have we'll have gotten the extension. And I don't think the courts liked that logic very much, that they were uh, they were being uh, played played for fools, essentially. Say what you will about President Biden, but uh, he uh, he's he's done a lot to prove what we've been saying for a long time. You know, he, he says the quiet things out loud. He tells us explicitly what the what the uh, the strategy is. And you can see that these these power grabbing, you know, executive uh, folks. They just want to use the courts to get what they want, and the courts don't like being a pawn in this game. Yeah, certainly not uh, not uh, artificial delay. Uh, when when rights have already been declared, to then artificially delay uh, any further. I mean, I guess it's okay for the courts. So John will John will remember. I wasn't very pleased with that decision by uh, uh, by the court to, uh, to to give two more weeks on something that it had already decided was unconstitutional. Uh, but right. I guess what the court is saying. It's, it's okay for them to do it for two weeks, but it's not okay for the executive branch to do it for, for four or six or eight more. <laughs> well, you know, and that's just one part of it. Uh, Mark, I know we have several cases that we bring where uh, the agency takes an action that seems to end the issue for now, but we know it's just going to rear its ugly head in two weeks, two years, two months, um, and but the court will dismiss it for mootness. Now, what yeah. is... I mean, this is an ongoing problem, in, and certainly in a lot of our vaccine mandate cases and the eviction moratorium cases even. Uh, we were told after after all that, when the Supreme Court finally did act, what it did was it allowed a stay that had been put in place by the D.C. District Court to stay in place. It didn't actually rule on the merits. I mean, what In order for a stay like that to be upheld, they have to decide that it's more likely than not that you'll prevail. But they don't actually rule on the issue. And so we made the case when our cases got, uh, you know, got returned to, uh, you know, or you know, decided by the 11th Circuit, and we had some other cases. One in in the in Iowa, one in Tennessee. We made we made the case to the judges that look, the Supreme Court hasn't. I mean, maybe the writing's on the wall, but they haven't actually ruled on this yet. And so, therefore, you should mm-hmm. go ahead and rule in our favor. And they said, well, no, you know, you already have gotten everything that you want out of this this case, and just because you want a precedent doesn't mean that. Uh, that we're going to continue this case forward. John and I had a whole episode on 
this mootness problem I invite people to go listen to if they're if they're interested on it. I thought uh, John uh, summarized the problem nicely. Well, uh, getting back to the to, to the results, look, these infractions, uh, Spinrad, Gensler, uh, Walensky, as egregious as they were, they just paled in comparison to this year's winner, Mark. Uh, this man fancied himself a monarch with unlimited and unchecked power um, and was uh, responsible for countless unconstitutional administrative abuses uh, in a year where myriad agencies claimed to be following the science. And I hope you can see my air quotes, um, even as they ignored any data that conflicted with the narrative. Only one bureaucrat wearing a stethoscope led the charge. And of course, uh, I'm talking about the man who had the temerity to claim attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. Ah, uh, yes. So the winner of this year's... I think I know who you're talking about. King George Third Prize for the worst abuser of civil liberties, Anthony Fauci of the NIH. Now, was this... Uh, uh, hooray, hooray. Good choice. <laughs> now, was this a close vote? Mark, I've, I, I, uh, we've only been doing this for two years, but he got 85% of the 85% vote. 85% of the vote. That's astounding. In a four-way flagrant four final... Yes. Uh, and, and 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 of all the people, so from the original thirty-two, yeah, he got sixty-five percent. Sixty-five percent of the vote of of, of the thirty-two in bureaucrats. a field of thirty-two. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he should have retired. <laughs> I know when you first announced that that he was one of the nominees, that he like about a week later he announced his potential. Or there were like rumors floating that that's he might right. be retiring. I don't know. I don't know. He had an official announcement, but uh, that's right. That's when the story first broke that he was about uh, about to retire. And and you know. It's he's closely uh, what the things that he did are closely tied up with what the CDC was up to. He was the one that led the charge on uh, the medical establishment deciding that natural immunity would just go away, that yeah. we would just start ignoring this thing that existed for decades. Well, he pretended that the natural immunity, which science knows exists, and they've known this since the, I mean, at least the plague and, yeah. you know, for smallpox and, and every other sort of virus to come along that, that, over time, some people develop, typically some people who have uh, contracted the disease, maybe in 100% of cases, people who have contracted the disease and then gotten better, that they have these antibodies in their system that give them a natural immunity that makes it more difficult for them to contract the disease a second time. Sometimes it's nearly impossible for them to contract it, contract it a second time, but certainly makes it more difficult. But in this case, uh, when there were other renowned scientists who stepped forward talking about natural immunity, that we needed to consider natural immunity as part of the solution here, Fauci and other bureaucrats uh, pretended, and, and I think they knew better. I think that they were lying. I, I don't think that they were just mistaken or had a disagreement about the science. I right. think that they were deliberately misleading the American people on the issue of natural immunity, and they were pretending that it doesn't exist when it does. And as a result of that, Thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people lost their jobs because folks in the private sector uh, followed the guidance from Fauci and others and decided to, to, to mandate these vaccines and mandate them even for people who had natural immunity, who had no business getting, uh, getting the vaccine uh, and certainly no business uh, having to do so on a mandatory basis. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the reason that Fauci is uh, this year's winner. And I, I think honestly... Um, if you look at all of the other agencies, all of those mandates, OSHA, the CMS mandate, they all excluded natural immunity. And they all did so because uh, Fauci thought he was the science. Um, and there's there's a lot of evidence that suggests that he did it just for bureaucratic convenience. 
Yeah, I think that's right. I think he did it uh, for bureaucratic uh, convenience, and uh, uh, and you know we've all had to, to suffer the consequences uh, for that. Well, thank you for being with us, Clay. We look forward to the bracket next year, and uh, uh, maybe we'll rerun this show in December, and we'll encourage people to, to start sending us nominations for the, uh, for the 2022 bureaucrat of the year. Uh, welcome back. And uh, we have a Supreme Court case that deals with uh, civil rights and how you vindicate them. Uh, and that was Egbert v. Boole, which came out uh, last week. And by a 6-3 margin, the court found that there was no right to sue Border Patrol agents who uh, violated your Fourth Amendment rights and beat you up and, and then sick, sick to the IRS on you. The facts are pretty bad. But some of them are a little funny, and I, I feel vindicated, Mark, because I've been saying don't bring, don't bring Bivens' actions to the Supreme Court if you can possibly avoid it. Yeah. And uh, Bivens, for our you for have our, been saying that I've heard you say that, which our listeners do not may not know is, you know, under uh, the civil rights laws that were passed in the um, right after the Civil War mainly apply to state state. Uh, employees and state actors. And you can often sue the state actors for violations of your civil rights. But there is no such. Um, that's that's yet, the Section 1983 lawsuits, John? Yeah, and 81 for race, but yes. Okay. And so, so basically, you can sue the state actors, but you can't sue the federal actors. And in the 60s, the Supreme Court was um, annoyed with Congress's inaction on this, and it, it created the Bivens Actions. And the Bivens actions uh, were for different things. They've said it's for sex discrimination and Fifth Amendment and, and Fourth Amendment. And but because there is a separation of powers problem, the Supreme Court, uh, the, the dissenters in Bivens and all the way through and it's gotten stronger and stronger, say, listen, causes of action, particularly against federal employees have got to be created by Congress. We can't just be making, there's no federal common law. We can't just make up causes of action so you can sue for money damages. Yeah, no applied um, causes of action. Right. And so they've, they've been cutting back and cutting back. And, and, and usually what happened and the way this happened was there were really egregious factual situations and, you know, bad facts make bad law, right, Mark? And so that's what happened. Very often. And, and but Bivens has been very useful in defining what our constitutional rights are in, in many cases for the last 40 years. But if you're going to the Supreme Court with a Bivens action, it has been my view that you are going to lose. And this case really um, brings it home because what happened here was uh, there was this guy, Robert Boole, who um, <laughs> Boole is what we call in the law a character. Um, so he owns an inn. On like, like Florida man? Yes, there's no question, but he's in he's on the Canadian American border in Washington okay. State, and he owns a uh, inn called the Smuggler's Inn, and his <laughs> license plate and his license plate is Smuggler S M U G L R, <laughs> and and Boole 
has many, many illegal border crosses in, in his inn. And sometimes he tips off the FBI and sometimes he just sneaks people through. And uh, it all depends. Oh, I'm, this- I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I miss. He did smell it. Spell it right. His his license plate is Smuggler S M U G L E R. Ah, okay. So what happened was is that he tipped off the FBI about a Turkish national who who had um, who was going to uh, slip through the smugglers in, and um, and and uh, but what happened was when the FBI got there. Uh, the agent sort of turned on Bull because Bull is acting kind of like a double agent. Sometimes he lets people through, sometimes not. And Bull, uh, you know, Eg- Egbert, who's the FBI agent, Bull asked him to leave his inn. And the FBI agent refused, became violent, and threw Bull first against the vehicle and then to the ground. Egbert then checked the immigration papers for Bull's guest and left, finding everything in order. The Turkish guest unlawfully entered Canada later that evening, which I suppose is a Canadian problem. Uh, so Bull filed a grievance with Egbert's supervisor. And then, so did Egbert say, oh, let's see what happens. No, Egbert allegedly retaliated against Bull by reporting Bull's smuggler license plate to the Washington Department of Licensing for referencing illegal activity and by contacting the IRS <laughs> and prompting an audit of Bull's tax returns, which I'm sure were uh, lively. Uh, Bull's FTCA claim was ultimately denied and Border Patrol took no action against Egbert for his use of force or retaliation. Bull sued Egbert in federal district court alleging a Fourth Amendment violation for excessive use of force and a First Amendment violation for unlawful retaliation. And he used Bivens v. Six Unknown Federal Narcotic Agents, which is the famous case. Um, And the, the... District court de- declined to extend, but the Court of Appeals, being the Ninth Circuit, said, no, we like it. We think it's a Bivens claim. And, of course, the Supreme Court took it and reversed. And Thomas delivered Because the it was from the Ninth Circuit? Oh, yes. Because if you want <laughs> a Bivens claim, you want to uh, get it to the Ninth Circuit, they'll say, ah, oh, yes, it's obviously a Bivens claim, and we have no problem with it because we're not really big on the separation of powers. And, uh, and, and as Gen- Judge Reinhardt used to say, about the Supreme Court, they can't take them all. Um, so, so the That's Bivens right. claim went. He should have had that on his license plate or bumper sticker or tombstone. So, <laughs> um, so they, uh, so they did. So Thomas delivered the opinion of the court. He was joined by Roberts and Alito and Kavanaugh and Barrett. But Gorsuch filed an opinions concurring, but he said, look, why don't we just say there are no Bivens claims? We don't really believe there are Bivens claims. We got to stop doing this because if there's not a, because Gorsuch, Sotomayor wrote a very blistering dissent. And she, she actually, and it's been reported in the papers, they say that this is, she says a, uh, I've got to find the, um, I've got to find the exact language, but she basically has said that a, a new and restless majority is doing all these things like getting rid of Bivens, but it's been a long road. I mean, this isn't a new thing. I, I disagree with her that this is something new just because of the new majority. This the Bivens has been yeah. cut back since since easily the Burger Court. They've been saying, yeah, this Watch. isn't a two year old idea, right? Exactly. But she's she's livid. She thinks this is outrageous and that this falls squarely within the holding of Bivens. And you know, yeah, I'm not sure she's wrong. I'm not sure she's wrong. I I just think that they hate it. And, and the more originalist you are, the less you can extend it. So they're making it more and more likely 
that um, a Bivens claim, if it gets to the Supreme Court, will be will be rejected. And someday they'll find one that's all on all fours with Bivens, exact same case, and they'll reverse it. So if you're a practitioner, civil rights practitioner, and you want to bring a Bivens came, claim, think very carefully about it. But whatever you do, don't don't petition for cert. <laughs> so if I you mean, ever plan to bring another one, <laughs> if you ever plan to bring another one. Right. And so um, or really so, go to Congress now before the Supreme Court acts and pass a statute. Well, that is it. I think for some of these egregious cases, you could you could bring some really bad cases. I mean, nobody wants an FBI agent who has gone rogue reporting you to the IRS and everybody else on earth when they actually when they actually did an investigation and the guy's papers were all in order and he wasn't yeah. smuggling anything. This, you know? this time. <laughs> this time. Yeah, exactly. But still, I, I do think I do think that 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 something something's got to be done. And you know it you know we, we talk about qualified immunity and the idea that qualified immunity is not that was another thing because they made Bivens claims and because the Supreme court against the States, there were 1983, 81 claims and they were making up rights. They were, they were, they were, um, you know, manufacturing them like hotcakes in the fifties and sixties. Uh, and so they then made up qualified immunity because they said, well, no, nobody could know what we were going to do next. And I'm exaggerating a little, but Mark, I don't think I'm exaggerating that much. I mean, basically they could not, have all these policemen who who and state actors who would not know what the Supreme Court's doing next suffer money damages for whatever they had just made up and announced for the first time. So that's kind of how qualified immunity came. But what happens here is, I mean, this is absolute immunity. The, the fact that you can't sue the federal actors for violating your constitutional rights is really an absolute immunity. And that is not made up. That is a function of Congress never making a cause of action. And there are in certain cases. I mean, there are certain criminal laws and certain things that that it works, but not for violating your fourth or fifth amendments. There isn't a general statute against the feds, as far as I know. Well, Um, I don't think there is. And if if Justice Sotomayor is serious about her dissent, then she should send it over to the White House and encourage and send it over to Speaker Pelosi and send it over to Majority Leader Schumer. It, her, you know, the, the folks who are likely to agree with her on this issue are in charge right now. If she wants something to be done about it legislatively, now's the chance. They've got, you know, at right. least and, a few months left. And I'm not so sure it's not a bipartisan cause, depending on how you do it. You know, oh, I, I don't think it's a 51-49 issue. I agree with you. I mean, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, an 80-20 issue. But I, right. but I agree with you. You'd get some overlap, some uh, some crossover votes. Um, particularly if you if you have these terrible stories of of real bad behavior by the federal agents, I, yeah, I mean, Rand, I Rand Paul, Rand Paul is going to vote right. for this. No question, <laughs> I, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I think Rand Paul, you know, and 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 maybe a few others, depending, and they might they might say no to soldiers or something like this, so that they that the military gets free reign or whatever because they don't want to in in you know, injured defense that sometimes happens, but you'd at least get something and then you'd get to see how it worked for a while. And then maybe it'd be cut back. Maybe it'd go through, but it, it is really, um, it doesn't strike me that it's an issue where people should say, Oh, we could never get legislation passed. Cause I think you kind of could. And, and so, but, but on the Supreme court itself, um, this is another one of those. And, and I think Sotomayor, it, is lumping this in with everything else that she thinks is going to be overturned. But I think this was a long time coming 
I, I think that it was shaky when it started and they tried to stop the district courts from manufacturing a bunch more of these Bivens actions. And, and they've been doing it for at least 25 years. I mean, I, I, certainly, certainly after I was, uh, uh, soon after I was a young attorney, they had all come against these things. And you knew that you were on thin ice if you were really pushing a Bivens claim. And I yeah, just I was going to say, I, I took federal courts in 1998, 99, something like that. 98 must have been. And uh, back then, when we learned about Bivens, it was on thin ice. So, yeah, I agree with you. This is not this is not new, but it's a long time coming. Right. But I do I do think that um, that as far as the people who get to the Supreme Court, uh, Mr. Boole, it really is one of those American characters. I, I, I just read the facts of this, folks, because it, it's pretty good as just a story. And we'll be with you next week. Uh,